1: journey i have met some of the most amazing individuals true heroes in the realm of medicine doctors and nurses whose unwavering dedication and fearless spirit stand as a beacon of hope amidst a sea of corruption it is important for us to not only shine our lights on the corruption but also on these remarkable individuals who have chosen to confront the very institutions that should uphold the principles of healing and compassion In the face of a corrupt system, there are some who have risen above the shadows, fearlessly challenging the status quo and putting their career and reputation on the line for the sake of truth and justice. They refuse to be silenced, daring to expose the dark underbelly of a medical industry plagued by greed, manipulation and unethical practices. These medical brave hearts have witnessed firsthand the devastating impact of a system that prioritizes profit over the well being of patients, and they refuse to stand idly by. As a society, we must stand behind these courageous truth tellers, amplify their voice, and become a champion for their cause as we strive for a future where compassion, integrity, and true healing prevail. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. And before we get started today, I do wanna encourage our listeners if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you wanna share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can submit those to any of the hosts by emailing us directly at nurses at americaoutloud.com. We would love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you are able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today is Dr. John Witcher. He has been in practice for 25 years as a family practice and rural ER physician, a true country doctor. He was a medical director of a small hospital in Yazoo City, Mississippi when COVID struck. He successfully treated his patients with the right medicines until he was denied the use of those medications by the hospital. When he refused to continue in this practice, his contract was canceled. He has since linked up with Dr. Peter McCullough, American frontline doctors, the FLCCC, and other medical freedom groups to fight tyranny and censorship. He started Mississippi Against Mandates to advocate for informed consent and religious exemptions on the vaccine mandates. His journey has led him to make a difference in the political world by running for governor of Mississippi. The election is now just days away, and they are expecting an upset because of the medical tyranny that has become so prevalent. Dr. Witcher, thanks so much for joining me today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Kimberly. So honored to be here with you. Uh, I try to remember the first time we met, I guess it was at Defeat the Mandates, right? No, it was it was uh, It was in Nashville.
1: It was in Nashville. Nashville. Yeah, it was about That's right, Nashville. Almost two right. few years ago now. Yeah, we met at uh, the Global COVID Summit. I was helping to organize that out in Nashville. That's right.
0: That's um, right. That's
1: if, I, if I remember correctly, I believe it was our mutual friend, AJ DePriest. Who That's connected correct. Us. Yeah. And she told me, she said, you know, you have to connect with Dr. Witcher. He's doing amazing things. I know that you worked with uh, AJ, who's absolutely amazing. And I've got to get her on the show. Um, and her organization that was helping so many uh, to literally break out of hospitals. Back that's in- right, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah, that's right. A.J. Dupree, she uh, she was sending me patients from all over the country. Yeah, that was after the, the hospital uh, terminated my contract. And so that kind of made it out uh, around the, the uh, globe or community in, in other states. And, yeah, so I, and I traveled to Memphis, yeah, and, and took took care of patients. And I think that's where A.J. Dupree may have seen me and heard of me, and then, yeah, she was sending me patients to uh, to treat, to try to get them out of the hospital, and then also just for COVID, you know, we still had COVID going pretty strong at that time.
1: Yeah, and so I, and the thing about your story, when, when this first happened, you were working in, uh, as a medical director of the ER, correct? Was right, that- that's correct,
0: yeah, and I you- was the, me- uh-huh,
1: you are taking your patients off of remdesivir, which we know is harmful to patients. My understanding is you took them off of that remdesivir and you put them on ivermectin. Is that right?
0: Attempted to. That's correct. Yeah. I took them off the remdesivir and uh, just wanted to use. By that time, you know, I think uh, most, many, many doctors uh, had, had figured that uh, this is an inpatient setting. So I was looking at the Math Plus protocol, which that's the FLCCC protocol, Doctor Paul Merrick and. Um, Pierre Corey. And, uh, you know, they they're uh, critical care physicians, pulmonologists. And so they had developed this protocol with uh, high dose steroids, high dose vitamin C, um, diamond and uh, heparin or or blood thinner of some sort and also ivermectin and and some other things. Uh, And so, you know, I felt like this was definitely they, you know, the ivermectin at this time uh, at that point in in the covid uh, process was Many, many studies had shown that it was the drug of choice to use both early, mid and late during COVID. So, yeah, that but that was the key break breaking point, because, uh, you know, the hospital uh, remdesivir was they could bill and collect for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the ivermectin was was not something that they could could um, make a lot of money on and right.
1: so, pennies on the dollars yeah. for, iver, for ivermectin. I mean, there's no profit to be made. And these you know safe and effective inexpensive drugs
0: correct right.
1: yeah and so let me ask you though you know you've been a physician for 25 years and when COVID first hit was there a point where where you were concerned or where you were kind of following along with what was coming down from you know the fda and the cdc and all of that and then what was it for you that really kind of opened your eyes or were you kind of awake the entire time?
0: Well, <clears throat> I was kind of maybe awoke a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I was a, a Donald trade Don, Donald J. Trump supporter from day one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, <clears throat> when I saw this happening, I was, you know, I, I, everybody, I think at that point knew they didn't want him to win, get reelected. Right. And so everybody was going to go after him in whatever way they could. So I saw this as maybe just a way to disrupt the the economy <clears throat> disrupt things that to, to, so he couldn't be reelected. I, I certainly didn't know at the time it was, it was going to be so that, you know, the whole world would shut down and, you know, there'd be mail mail votes and harp of uh, ballot harvesting and the whole works and the, the election would be stolen outright. But, uh, but certainly I felt like that was, uh, you know, I, I was concerned, but, but, but really, you know, when COVID hit and I, I saw, I saw some of the first patients uh, in Mississippi with COVID and um, these patients were sick, you know, it's something I'd never seen before, never seen anybody with O2 sets that low that did not have to be intubated. And so that was the key, key point. And so it was definitely something new, I you know, <clears> that, that I know where it came, you know, I didn't know, you know, um, what it was exactly, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like it came from the wet market. That didn't make sense to me. I thought I thought it did come from the Wuhan lab. Now I didn't know, you know, if it was genetically modified at the time or whatever. But but I felt like they, they were covering that up. That that I, I felt maybe it was accidentally released from from the Wuhan lab uh, just through because of their poor techniques or whatever. But but I but I was concerned. I was concerned that you know, hey, we we've got to get a handle on this. This could be bad. And, uh, you know, we talked about as the medical director, I talked about setting up tents outside or or even common come during some of the local hotels and turn those into kind of makeshift hospital setting, you know, somewhere to quarantine patients. So anyway, but but quickly, I realized, you know, when Dr. Fauci kept changing his story and, uh, you know, the whole controversy about the mask, I mean. You know, I think any any doctor or scientist, if you just did a little research, you'd know the paper mask uh, didn't stop the virus. You know, it was like throwing dirt against the chain link fence. The virus is just too small. Plus, you know, you, you breathe through a mask and you put glasses on and, you know, like in the cold, you can see it goes all around the mask. So, I mean, it, and there's just no scientific literature. I mean, it, they're not they don't work. So between that and just the, the whole fear mongering and. Um, uh, you know, I, I quickly said, you know, this is this It's not going to the, the COVID virus is, is not, you know, they're overplaying it for sure.
1: Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, so much of it was just, you know, they really overplayed their hands on this one. But I think that honestly, that has been the silver lining of COVID is that they have overplayed their hand. And in doing so, they've really awakened so many of us. Um, So that is one good thing that has come out of this because I, you know, myself, I was allopathically trained. I was pro-vaccine throughout my career um, as a nurse and, you know, this has really opened my eyes wide open and I question everything now Um, and uh, I've, I've seen clearly what's been happening for too long and you know it's it's completely changed the way that i nurse and the way that i assess my patients i now do everything from a more you know root cause more holistic approach is that something that you are doing as well and you know kind of veering away from that yeah. allopathic
0: medicine. yeah absolutely i mean you know i started 25 years ago out of medical school practicing and at that time you know the opioids came out mm-hmm. you know uh MS-Contin or whatever, OxyContin, and, you know, these drug reps came to me and said, you know, Dr. Witcher, this is the new medication to treat all your pain patients, and uh, it's non-addicting. It's going to be the, you know, it's just the best thing since sliced bread, and I thought, well, you know, I just got out of medical school, and we basically would give, uh, um, after we did surgery on patients, we might give patients five or ten opioids, and that was about it. You know, I mean, we were very strongly discouraged about giving any opioids because they were so addictive. So I was like, "No, I don't, you know, I just can't see this happening. Of course they had Yale studies and Harvard studies to back them up. These drug reps did, but but you can see what happened. Fast forward 20 plus years later. And you know, it it was just a, a a major, um, I mean, the drug companies pushed these as safe and they were not, Mm -hmm. I mean, so many people got addicted, uh, it was just a terrible drug to use for, for chronic pain. So anyway, and in, in, in along the years, you know, there was other medications that came out that the drug companies said were perfectly safe and they had to take off the market afterwards. So so I, I stopped trusting the pharmaceutical companies a long time ago, <clears throat> just to be honest with you. But but the CDC and the FDA, I trusted until COVID. Yeah. Uh, when, and once they started doing what they did in COVID and I started looking at things and and then digging in and really finding out that um, you know the FDA and the, these pharmaceutical companies are, are are very you know they they're all interconnected to you know on, on the executive level and about people bouncing back and forth you know and, and so it's just that they're they're um, they're not credible the FDA and the CDC is the same way they're not credible organizations in, in my view at this point they uh, totally have have lied to the American people. And, um, and so, and and that's what, you know, I I looked at now vaccines in general, you know, I, when my kids were little, they're grown now when they were little, there were, there were not that many vaccines given that vaccines has never been on my radar. I've never been anti-vax. You know, like I said, my my kids got all their vaccines. I got all mine, Um, you know, but, but I'm a minimalist too. Now I don't believe like, like me, as far as flu shots go, you know, I, I've never really, until the last 10 years, the hospital started making me get a flu shot and I I would get one occasionally, but, but to be honest with you, probably out of the last 10 years, five times I've gotten the flu shot, maybe, maybe six or seven, I've gotten the flu uh, at least half those times that I got the flu shot. So, you know, I don't think the, you know, the flu vaccine never worked that well anyway. So, like I said, I'm a minimalist and that's probably why I, I've, you know, I do, I, I'm a general practitioner, family practice doctor as well, but I kind of over the years, especially over the last 10 years, that's all I've done just ER exclusively. And I think part of that reason was I, I just can't push, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals, you know, I'm, you know, every year a new medicine comes out and it's just more expensive, fancy or whatever, but, but, uh, so I, I'm a minimalist. So that's probably why I went into the ER full, you know, more or less full time in the last 10 years. But, uh, but yeah, at this point, uh, you know, childhood vaccines. I watched a vaxxed, which I had never seen before. When we when we started going against the COVID vaccine, many many parents came out of the woodworks throughout Mississippi, and they I didn't realize it, but there was ten, at least ten thousand in this one group that they've been uh, pushing against childhood vaccines, and so uh, we grouped with them. And, uh, you know, I, I learned from them. And, and at this point, you know, yeah, I, I, after watching Vax, meeting Dale Bigtree and and being around uh, 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 Robert Kennedy Jr. and his organization, Children Health Defense, and uh, meeting so, so many people and children that have been vaccine injured, I, I advocate for them as well.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what's so, you know, incredible to me is that, like I said, I had been pro-vaccine my entire life in nursing career. And it was like, you know... I didn't I didn't see I have a lot of guilt for this because it's like I didn't see these people and they have been out here screaming for decades right they have been screaming nobody's listening to them and I don't know you know it would just be us listening to you know the mainstream and saying well that couldn't possibly be from the vaccine um I was never militantly pro-vaccine you know to me it was always about a personal choice but i never i thought for the most part that they were safe and effective and you know the people these people in these top positions were doing their due diligence and were making sure uh, of the safety and efficacy of these of these uh, vaccines but i you know come to find out after these last 3 years when covid really peeled my eyes wide open that this doesn't happen at all this very minimal testing that goes into getting these vaccines to market
0: yeah, that and that was the big shocker to me <clears throat> as well. I mean, i I didn't know anything that about Ronald Reagan in nineteen eighty six signing a deal where these pharmaceutical companies were released of liability,
1: yeah.
0: and uh, so and that they were to to do studies uh, themselves, and then did not was not aware of that, and so uh, definitely they don't they don't study they don't do the safety studies, and so uh, we really don't know uh, what what the results of the Uh, outcome are. And and this there's just no oversight uh, with uh, how many different vaccines they give at a time as well. And so, you know, this category, you know, most doctors don't really know a lot about childhood vaccines. It's because we don't give them.
1: No, none of us do. Even me, I gave, I vaccinated children, but nurses get absolutely no education, zero education. The yeah. only education that we get, safe, effective, and necessary. That is all. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, we went out and we vaccinated numerous children. And, and I, again, I have a hard time with this because, you know, these parents, I'm telling them and I'm giving, I'm reassuring them, That these are safe and effective, you know when I have no more information than they do whatever's on those, you know um, what you should know information sheets that where do they come from the FDA the pharmaceutical companies. Um, But really we had no idea what was in these vaccines or what kind of potential issues they could cause. And so that's something I really struggle with, but, and that's why I have really dedicated myself to caring for the vaccine injured, because it's, you know, almost like penance for me at this point. Um, I think when we know better, we do better. So, and I know that you're doing the same and really um, helping to work with the vaccine injured. So that's an amazing thing.
0: Yes. 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 I agree. I mean, it's, you know, it's the pediatricians. We really have to try to somehow pull them out of this. This group think that they seem to be in. And uh, because that's really who's pushing these childhood vaccines. And then now you have the OBGYN doctors pushing the COVID vaccines. And uh, so this is, um, you know, it, it, it's really mind blowing to me, really. I mean, uh, because it's just the, the group think is so strong that uh, you would think they would be look at objective somewhat and, and look at the evidence because I know they're seeing patients not only in the vaccine injured, uh, you know, from children over the years, but but certainly with COVID, doctors are seeing injuries. And if, for whatever reason, they, they just don't want to admit uh, that they're being vaccine injured.
1: Yeah, and I've really become of the firm belief that we're all vaccine injured on some level. If we think about the prevalence of the, you know, chronic disease in this country, uh, you know, all of the, we, we have the sickest generation of children that we ever have. Um, and I'm, I believe that directly correlates to the increase in the, um, vaccines on the schedule, on the CDC schedule. Um, and we've just really come to accept this as, you know, part of, of life. And it really does not need to be this way. But I come more, I become more and more disheartened with the, the mainstream medical system. You know, we have, um, patients, for example, my dad went in, they told him he was diabetic. They said he has an A1C of seven. And um, I was talking to my mother and she said, Oh, well, you know, they're going to do whatever they have to do. And I'm like, Well, what does that mean? And she said, Well, they're going to put him on medicine. I said, Well, did they even talk to him about diet or anything that, you know, natural that can be done? And she said, Oh, they, they said he needs to change his diet, but didn't give him any guidance or any, you know, information on how to do that. Just we're going to give you a pill. That's it. And that's unfortunately, that's kind of the go to for most physicians now is a prescription pad
0: yeah absolutely not you know i don't want to take up for these doctors necessarily because i'm you know during covid here i'm very disappointed in in my colleagues many of them which i have known for years that um seem to have bought into the whole scenario hook line and sinker all the way to telling their patients that mask work period and that um, you know these vaccines are super duper safe and just just these are you know that um, safe and effective is not really even a medical terminology you, right. you, you know that's a marketing uh scheme I mean it, we don't even you we should be using risk versus benefit profile
1: exactly
0: that, that's really what we should be using. so I'm very disappointed in, in, in my colleagues um right here in Mississippi and uh you know I, I just I just hope they'll they'll uh, you know look at this and, and reconsider but but what I was going to was that, you know, doctors, and, and like I said, I've been doing it 25 years. It, to the way, they, the way you're pressured is these, these patients are on a uh, treadmill. You, you have to see, you know, in a primary care setting, I mean, 20, 30 patients a day, minimal, just to make ends meet. Because the, the insurance, they're giving you less and less per visit. And so about the only, you might have 15 minutes with a patient, uh, probably not that long. And so you don't have a lot of time to educate them as far as diet or or anything like that it's you know you're basically there to to write them a prescription and move on to the next patient.
1: Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately what what the medical system has become and I think because of that the nature of the system really focusing on more on productivity and and you know kind of herding patients in like cattle you know these physicians they, everybody thinks that these doctors are doing their own independent research and many physicians, if they're working in that type of corporate healthcare, especially, they don't have the time to do their own independent research. So they really just take whatever's, you know, pushed down from the CDC, FDA, and they implicitly trust and they run with that and they, they, uh, put that down to their patients. And um, unfortunately, you know, we have the the white coat and people is implicit trust of that. I think is really a lot of what has got us into this this mess that we're in. I really believe that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I believe it one hundred percent. I mean, it just like you're saying, it's uh, you know, they're the doctors are being pushed for less and less time, and so they just get the patients in and out. And uh, and really, the training these days are you know with computers coming about, it's going to get where doctors are going to be just uh, you know using uh, these just simply type in the information and it'll spit out what to do.
1: You know, Mm -hmm. exactly. uh, And outside of that, so nobody knows how to critically think anymore. You know, outside of that, you know, putting these symptoms into a little computer because they kind of have those types of programs now I've seen the doctors use it over and over again it just blows my mind um, where they just kind of put the symptoms into the computer and it basically tells you like well, okay what's the treatment for for this group of uh, symptoms and then it's brilliant really telling you what medication to prescribe um, for these patients and and to me it's just like really doctors nurses as well are losing their ability to think objectively and to critically think. Um, And that's frightening to me. I mean, we may as well have robots at this point.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: And we're getting there.
0: I I think that's where they're going.
1: Yeah. I
0: think that's really where they, you know, they want to, um, you know, I mean, I, you know, and, uh, you know, politically, of course, you know, I'm running for governor and in my stance, I'm very conservative, all about freedom and uh, constitutional person, uh, you know, believe in the Bill of Rights. But, you know, I don't know if you know Sal Alinsky. He's the, he's the guy that wrote the Rules for Radicals. He's the guy that, of course, he died 43 years ago, Sal Alinsky. But uh, Hillary and Obama, that's been, you know, he they, they follow his uh, guidelines. And the number one thing, his eight rules to, to turn a nation into a socialist nation, the number one thing is health care. Control the health care and you control the people. Yeah. And so I think this was to what we're seeing, not just with COVID, but, but, you know, over even my lifetime of practicing over the last 25 years, we, we've turned into a, a socialized medicine, a medicine where, whereby we're, um, you know, we, we the government controls it 100%. Yeah. And uh, it. it, it it's not making for healthy patients, it's making for sick patients.
1: Exactly, the system, the entire system is a sick care system. We we both know it does nothing to keep anyone well. Um, Socialized medicine is not healthcare. And I think, you know, for the most part, people really need to start understanding that they are responsible and accountable. They need to be accountable for their own health, right? As nurses, as doctors, we're really merely here to be guides, but there has to be some accountability from patients but many people feel like they're not educated enough they can't even ask a question they just implicitly trust whatever we tell them and that isn't how it should be it should be you know us educating and informing but you know the patient really needs to be an active participant in their own health care so i really can't stand when i hear doctors and nurses belittling patients for asking questions or doing their own research but I mean, we should be encouraging that sort of thing
0: oh yeah absolutely we, we should be encouraging that but uh but even further, I mean, what, what I'm seeing here in the last number of years is that, um, you know, if you talk to your patients about changing their lifestyle, such as, you know, dieting and exercise, you know, uh, you can't tell a person they're they're fat anymore.
1: Oh, no, you know? cannot you say know. that.
0: <laughs> you can't say that to them. I mean, that's a bad word, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think it, they're getting to the point where you can't use morbid ob- obesity. No. Well, they don't want you to say obesity. I mean, they, they, I mean, they're actually showing obese people all over the, uh, the media and, and, and actually, you know, um, uh, saying that that you know promoting that is a healthy way to live you know
1: kind of glorifying it and listen you know i i struggle with my weight i struggle with my weight for years but you know what i'm not going to sit here and say that this is healthy it's not healthy and we have to stop it's one thing to be comfortable in your own skin but you have to and, and to be positive that's great body positivity is is important but we can't sit here and say that this is a healthy lifestyle because it is going to catch up to you eventually You know, it's not a vanity thing. This is a health thing and being overweight and having all of this extra like visceral fat around your organs, it's not healthy, you know, and you know, that's great that if you can be comfortable where you are, and again, it's not a vanity thing. It is a health issue and it's a crisis. The obesity epidemic in this country is just out of control. And it's a lot of because of what you're saying, like we're, we're just glorifying and and saying it's okay you know it, don't don't make any effort to live a healthy lifestyle eat all of the junk and do whatever you want and don't exercise and and just everybody has to love and accept you how you are
0: yeah i mean that's that's it and that's and this is a socialist approach i mean they they want to you know they want to create victims yeah. and you know point fingers at other other people and uh you know instead of taking personal responsibility and saying, you know, I it's up to me. You know, I have to, to care for myself. And, and and we can, you know, go right down the line. This goes for work as well. There's, you know, this whole thing with with uh, poverty and, and people. And you're basically uh, encouraging people to um, to not not excel, not only physically but mentally and spiritually, and and also from a work ethic. You know, if you if you allow people just to do nothing and you give them everything. And that's, you know, that's where they're never going to going to make it out of uh, poverty.
1: No, there's no incentivization. There's no motivation to do better. You know, if you keep everybody on this, you know, level playing field, even even across when you're at work, I know I I worked for a hospital corporation, HCA Hospital Corporation in America, and um, they didn't give merit based raises. I remember learning about that. They did not give merit based raises. And they said it was because that it might offend people. And I yeah. thought, well, what is the motivation for anybody to excel or to do anything other than punch the clock? Because you're literally giving everybody the same because there are people that go in and do, uh, you know, go above and beyond the call of duty. And then there are people who just, you know, punch the clock and come in and do nothing. And and you're giving nobody any motivation to do better or to excel um, at, at what their, you know, their job is or trying to just make their way in this world it's just everybody is just on this level playing field and to me it never made any sense
0: yeah that absolutely I mean the whole affirmative action Mm -hmm. you know it it hit me early on I I can remember going through um when I I was an engineer before I was a medical doctor for a few years and so um and I was in the corporate world and back in the late 80s and uh, that's the first time I saw what you know experienced affirmative action and you had to have so many um, people in the particular race to, that you hired, and uh, so it was—it was you know a little disheartening to see that you know they didn't base things on on your actual performance. It was on other things. So, of course, today you know it's not just skin color; it's um, you know sexual orientation. If you you know the the, uh, the 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 far left you are, the the more likely you're going to get the better job.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's really gotten out of control. It seems like there's no end in sight to any of that. But we're, when we come back, we're gonna go ahead and really dig in and delve into your platform and, and what your vision is for a uh, Mississippian. So I look forward to hearing that. America Out Loud talk radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. And you can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa, 24 7 great talk radio all of our shows go to podcast the following day you can hear them on apps such as spotify stitcher pandora iheart podcast and many more be sure to subscribe and rate the show on apple Podcasts for me don't forget to check out our online store at americaoutloud.shop where you can find all of the products that we represent on our network at a discounted rate thanks to the generosity of our sponsors please show them your support i'll catch you on the other side of this break stay with us
0: For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD,
1: Global Healing,
0: giving you the power to take control of your health, naturally. While the cancel culture destroys our history, bringing crime and terror to city streets, AmericaOutloud.News will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud
1: Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all of the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Let's jump right back in. If you're just joining us, I've been talking with Dr. John Witcher, who is an incredible uh, doctor that stood up and fought back in the middle of COVID. And he is now running for governor of the great state of Mississippi. Dr. Witcher, thanks again for being here with me.
0: Yes, thank you, Kimberly.
1: Yeah, so like I said, in the beginning of the show, in the first half, we would talked about, you know, what your experience was like in the hospitals, but then you had started something, um, you started uh, an organization Mississippi against mandates you know during that COVID pandemic after you'd successfully treated your patients and you understood you know what was happening um but what what is it that motivated you to start that uh, organization Mississippi against mandates
0: well it, it was the covid shot mandates I mean that's what that's what was the final draw there i mean it, it was um You know, they were pushing the shots or encouraging the shots for everybody to take. And and from day one, I mean, I I never encouraged anybody to take the shots and never never ordered the shot because, you know, I felt um, they were experimental. uh, They were risky, even though, like I said, I voted for Donald J. Trump. I feel like he was duped by Operation Warp Speed and Dr. Fauci and all his little buddies, um, Bill Gates. I believe that uh, you know, they just simply duped him and he felt like he, he just had to do something to keep the uh economy open, keep, you know, keep businesses open, schools, et cetera, churches. And so I think he just fell for it. And so um so anyway, I, you know, like I said, I if you remember back, I mean in 2020, we nobody thought by December there'd be a vaccine. And wow. I, I I was talking with my wife and some other folks, and I said, you know what? It's likely that a vaccine could come out by December. And if it does, it will not, it'll be a terrible vaccine. There's just no way they could do this that quickly. Of course, I didn't know you know, what all they'd been doing for decades at that point, but, but anyway, um, so the first thing that came up at my hospital, being the medical director, the administration wanted me to sign a blanket order for all the employees to get vaccinated for COVID once it rolled out. And I was like, "Eh, you know, I don't, even, I don't have to order flu shots. I never had to order employees to have flu shots. Why would I have to order these tests? I mean, it was like they were going to put the liability on me. And I was like, well, you know, first of all, I'd have to talk with every employee that got the shot and tell them the full risk and benefits. And I don't know what, what the risks are because I, I, they're experimental. They hadn't been, you know, there's no studies to show the risk. So anyway, that that didn't sit well with the administration. Uh, and so fast forward, later when they actually mandate they they told us you know this was in the in 21 uh it, that towards the end of 21 after we'd been involved in this whole thing well going into a, two years and they said well you know you all either get the shot or you get fired and so that's when that's when we started Mississippi Against Mandates but My, yeah. myself and Brooke we, and some other uh, actually some of these folks that had, had already gathered with us uh, these mothers that had uh, were against the childhood vaccines they kind of encouraged us. And so we got together and we formed a 501C3 corporations specifically for the COVID vaccine mandates to go push back against them. And I very quickly had other doctors come forward and nurses and other citizens. And so we have a board now of about 12, or I guess maybe 13, 12 of them are, are doctors throughout Mississippi. And uh, then we have uh, uh, thousands of people throughout Mississippi that support us that uh, want the COVID shots that, you know, they... Uh, we went around the first thing we did was uh we helped people get exempt and we 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 ended up they, they very few people got the medical exemption but uh, religious exemptions worked uh easier but uh but there were still many mississippians that that had to lose that they lost their jobs they couldn't get exempt uh many of them were military folks that e- either just got out or retired early um and so and, and college students and a lot of people in the health healthcare fields but uh so anyway, that that's what got us on the the radar as well. I mean, when we when we went against the COVID vaccine mandates, I was labeled an anti vaxxer and a yeah. you know a, a threat to the public, and you know I made headline news and et cetera, et cetera. And so that that's what got the whole uh, thing started. And, and 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 at that point, you know, I had been watching Doctor Peter McCullough and and the other doctors. I mean, I. I, I followed uh, Simone Gold, American frontline doctors, in, early in 2020, and yeah. uh, I was following them and supporting them, and uh, you know, and and so, but but by the you know, I brought Doctor Peter. I really hit, hits hits my trailer to Doctor Peter McCullough because I was like, you know, this guy is so credible. Yeah. I mean, he's a cardiologist, epidemiologist. He's a master's in public health. He's an academic physician. Has uh, had over 650 publications plus. He actually treats COVID patients from day one. And so I said, you know, this guy's credible. There's no way you could discredit him. And so that's when I I connected with him. I actually brought him to Mississippi early, right after we started Mississippi Against Mandates. Also brought Dr. Uh, Jancy Chung-Lindsay, who's a a, a, a toxicologist. And so anyway, we we just pushed back. You know, at, At that time, they were also pushing the shots when they were doing the mandates on all the employees. They were pushing shots on pregnant patients at that point. We're we're talking about the fall of 21. And then they were talking about pushing on children, you know, down to five to 11 year old. And of course, at that point, nobody thought that was even, even a thought, but of course, it it happened quickly. And uh, of course, now they have it. They want them all the way down to six month olds.
1: And Um, it's so absurd because as we all know, this shot does not prevent transmission so why are we forcing and mandating a shot that not only is it it's we we know now it's not safe it's definitely not effective why in god's name all of this time later are we still pushing this you know if you want to get it in personal choice i personally think and i spoke to this when i came out to mississippi that these products they're dangerous and ineffective and they need to be pulled off of the market period
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate you coming out. Yeah. That was in February, right? This yeah. past year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's when we actually had a hearing at our Capitol. We had uh Randy Boyd representative uh, that set, helped us set that up. Of course, we brought in Dr. Peter McCullough that, to head it up with us. And then we had you and uh minute. We had 20, about 25 speakers total, yes. uh, eight vaccine yeah. injured. Yeah. And uh, we had, of course, Dr. James Thorpe and Rennie Moon pediatrician and, on and on but a uh, lot of testimony there yeah. of, of these shots and uh, not only do they not work I mean and, and that's common sense you know I've I've been all over Mississippi speaking and everybody I mean it, you know they know the shots don't work they took the shots and they got COVID I mean mm-hmm. so they didn't work and then of course our public health officials and our governor were saying well you know at least they'll keep you out of the hospital you won't you won't get sick, real sick and you won't die. Well, I mean, that, that was shot out of the water. And so people people aren't stupid. They they know, uh, I mean, they, you know, they know them or the p- people, they loved ones that have gotten all their shots and they, they still died uh, in the hospital. So anyway, the, um, so that's where we're at. You know, we're pushing hard to stop the shots. That's really what we want to do. Uh, you know, I, there's, it's all, you know, Many people want to do that, but certainly right here in Mississippi, you know, we, I guess when I, you know, when uh, Ron Sanchez in Florida, when he had the hearings and uh, the end of last year and early this year, and uh, he had the, uh, I really got inspired because, you know, he started a statewide um, grand jury investigation on the mRNA vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer, as really fraudulent advertisement because they were advertising them as safe. And when they knew they were not. And so we want to follow suit here in Mississippi. And we also like what what he's done, too, as far as anybody that dies after having the COVID vaccine gets an autopsy.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, that that should be, there should be no question there. You know, and I like, uh, Dr. McCullough likes to say uh, so often, it is the vaccine until proven otherwise. And I absolutely agree with that. And I agree with you. We should be having autopsies done, no question, um, on these, on these people who die unexpectedly. Um, but you know, and, and that's a fantastic. Everything that you're doing as far as the mandates and, and really just trying to stop the shots, but there's so much more, you know, than that, that, that are, you know, Mississippians are facing and your platform focuses on so so much more than just the, the COVID, you know, corruption and all of, all of that, that's going on. Um, You know, we're at a time at a national level where, you know, families are struggling to pay their bills. They're struggling struggling to make rent, to buy groceries. How are your policies, going to help relieve some of the, uh, some of the stress off of Mississippians?
0: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we know that the, I call it the COVID debacle. And and like Mm -hmm. we were saying earlier, you know, I I really believe it was just about, it was never about our health care. It was always about control. And uh, early on, when when we were out protesting after we formed Mississippi against mandates, I'll never forget the sign a little lady was carrying, we were down on trying to help Engel shipbuilding with five thousand employees, about half of them wanted to be exempt, and so she was holding a sign, and it said, "The last variant," because re- you remember we had all the variants. It was, it was, you know, this variant, the Delta, the Omicron, etc. And so uh, she said, "The last variant is communism." Yeah, and that's so true. I mean, that's really where we're headed uh, in, in, as a nation. I mean, we're we're battling an enemy that hates. Our nation hates our way of life, hates God, and uh, they just want to destroy us. they 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 want us, they don't like America to be first. They want us to be last. They want us to be a communist nation, uh, part of the whole global uh, fascist Marxist um, elitist or whatever you call them, the World economic Forum, the United Nations, mm-hmm. you know we know the Wor- world world Ec- World Health Organization, which is a entity of the United nations is is uh, corrupt themselves. And, uh, you know, and, of course, President Trump, he defunded them and they need to be defunded again. Uh, You know, they're 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 going to push for total tyranny. There's going to be another emergency order come down from them worldwide. It could be over anything. It could be over, um, you know, right now, if you're watching, I mean, it's getting kind of crazy in our congressional hearings with all these UFOs. I mean, they could claim, you know, there's some UFOs that are out there body snatching. So you better not leave your house. You know, who knows?
1: And people will will just eat it up. They eat it up and they fall into it, this hook, line and sinker. And so there's no, there's no stopping, you know, insight to what they're going to try to do to control us. And they're coming at us from every angle. And, we have unfortunately really failed as a, a people to stand up for our rights. They saw how easily they can control us by by instilling fear. And you know, I think it's really important that people understand: like the power lies with the people. It has always been this way. We have the numbers to turn this all around, but people really lack the courage. And I hope that um, people like yourself and others that are in this fight can inspire and encourage others to to take a stand um, and say no more.
0: Yeah. It, it, people have to take a stand. We have to all group together. It's not going to happen with one person. It's going to be the whole movement uh, coming together because uh, like you said, it, it's really that they, they want to take everything. They want to take all of our freedoms. Uh, you know, the, the COVID pandemic, it was total fear mongering to shut us down, to shut our economy down. Yeah. Okay, That's number one. They they want to, you know, in this $5 trillion that Biden put out on the marketplace, I mean, what has it done? It, it's just caused uh, inflation. I mean, now the you know, I mean, the, our, our dollars are just not worth what they used to be. Of course, now our gas prices are shot up too, because probably because he stopped, you know, uh, doing any, uh, uh, oil or gas production here in the in the United States, and sent that all over to sea. So we see um, our economy's failing. It's it's people are hurting. They're having problems buying groceries, putting gas in their vehicle. Their four hundred one ks are dropping, and so people on the gra- ground level, they're um, that's their biggest concern right now. When I go across Mississippi, is the economy. They they're very very concerned. They don't know what's going to happen. Of course, this whole uh, central bank digital currency is another thing that's out there that people are talking about you know if, what if they could turn all the money into uh ones and zeros digital money and then if they didn't line up well we saw that happen in canada where you know if you were part of the um, truckers mm-hmm. uh convoy uh, if you supported them you know they shut people's bank accounts down so people are people are afraid of uh, that the, you know that the government the government's going to have total tyranny over them and they are doing it. i mean look at the fbi all these three later, later agents not just the cdc and the fda but the fbi i mean going after raiding folks i mean we saw what they did oh, the uh, J. Trump. yeah they went into trump's house and raiding over some so-called classical classified papers he had but and then you know i mean if we're, we're basically living in a third world banana republic and people know it. I mean, they just feel it. You know, anytime a sitting president, Joe Biden, I guess he's a sitting president, uh, you know, can can go out and in, imprison in, in his top opponent, Donald J. Trump, which I mean, that's I mean, it's possible. I mean, they could could put him in jail. And uh, so people are aware of all this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate what's happened, um, and that again that the people are not rising up because I mean we have a Second Amendment for a reason. Like literally, if there was ever a reason for a Second Amendment, like this is this is the tyrannical government that that they warned us about. This is it.
0: <laughs> I oh, don't, it's, I don't know it. it's it. It's it. I mean, and, you know the FBI. Well, just the other day, I mean, you know, we had a. I have a person in Mississippi, I know the FBI, about 15 agents raided his house mm-hmm. and uh, he was at the January 6th event, him and his son. And uh, now I don't know all the details and I, and I don't, I don't promote anybody uh, going out and unpeacefully protesting, but I think for the most part, the January 6th protest of stop the steal and the presidential election of 2020 was a peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, the ones that uh, you know, I think it was uh, taken over by bad actors. But uh, but even the you know the ones that uh, had contact with police officers in whatever way, whether they were pushed into police officers or actually, you know, were fighting back because they were feeling threatened or or in self defense or whatever. But listen, that everybody, it's part of our constitution. Everybody gets a fair trial. A fair trial means that. You're not locked away in a gulag and in solitary without representation from a lawyer for long periods of times. Uh, 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 you get a speedy trial. And so we, we know a lot of these J6ers didn't get any of that. There's, many of them are still locked in solitary without uh, without having a, a fair justice system. So so the whole government system is being weaponized against a certain group of people. And that certain group of people are, uh, appear to be people that have common sense.
1: Right, right, exactly, and it's it's been very frightening to watch, and I think that they are trying to make examples of some of these people so that it will keep the rest of uh, the Americans just kind of sitting at home, keeping their head down, and not putting themselves out there to take a stand really against what's been happening. Um, but again, I hope that we can inspire uh, courage in in these individuals and let them know that you know they they are the ones that are in control. They are the ones that can make stand up and make a difference. And it will take all of us coming together. It's such a big fight. It's far too big for any, you know, one individual organization, even it's gonna take all of us coming together. And unfortunately there's, you know, you see a lot of infighting within the movement, which doesn't help anything. So hopefully, you know, we can kind of all come together and and push back, you know, like let's leave all of, uh, you know, the egos at the door and let's come together and push back against the tyranny and save our Republic. And I cannot stand to see one more thing about a democracy. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional Republic. I uh, uh, I
0: agree 100%. I mean, I think, you know, we have to educate folks and, uh, and I, and and I've been that. you know, I was never big in politics or even on the constitution per se. I mean, I've always been a very, very conservative person. I grew up with Ronald Reagan, Mm -hmm. always believed in free enterprise that, you know, I'm pro-business, I'm, I'm pro-family. You know, I feel like you, if you just, um, if people, no matter what background you come from, if you can get a good education of some sort, even, you know, you don't have to necessarily go to college, but just get good training, keep your nose clean, stay out of drugs and alcohol, you know, do your best that, that you can succeed in America. And, and but, you know, but what I'm I've, what I've learning through this COVID debacle is that, yeah, We have a a total tyrannical system, much like they had in 1776 when they declared when we declared our independence from Britain. It was all about being overtaxed. It was all about coming into people's houses and uh, disrupting them out of when, you know, soldiers coming in and stealing and pillaging and uh, threatening. Very similar to what we have today. You know, I mean, it's very, very similar. And so, um, you know, we, we must stand up. Uh, you know, pulled together. And, uh, you know, I, I just encourage people also to get involved in politics. And, and that's something, you know, yeah. this I've never been run for anything, never been really, really strong in politics. But I just believe that, um, you know, we've got to get real freedom fighters in there at all levels. I mean, at all levels, you're, uh, you know, supervisors, county supervisors, mayors, uh, sheriffs. City clerks, even whatever election commissioners all the way from the local, state and federal level. And it's a bit it's a it's a problem because, you know, politics is, um you know, what I'm finding is is our so-called conservative uh here in Mississippi. We're supposed to be a red state, but many of our Republicans are I hate to say it, but they're deep state rhinos. Yeah. And just yeah. Are. You know,
1: they're and that's at more, every level. It's at every level. Unfortunately.
0: At every level. They're more concerned about themselves and their careers and, and how they're going to, you know, uh, stay stay in there than than really doing the right thing and, and pushing back against the tyranny. So, so that, it's an uphill battle, but you know, uh, we can never give up. And I, I think, you know, just like you were saying earlier, it's about everybody pulling together. And uh, you know, you know, it's like little little fires starting up all over and coming together for a bigger fire. And I I agree with you. We've got to set our differences aside. We're not none of us are going to agree on every uh, every little thing, but uh, we we just have to come together and agree on one thing, is and that's to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America.
1: Amen. Wasn't it uh, Ronald Reagan that said, if somebody kind of agrees with you, like I think 85% of the time, like that's not your enemy. So um, we really have to kind of understand that we are going to have differences, but we should all be able to rally around, if nothing else, freedom.
0: Yeah, freedom. Exactly.
1: And your platform, Dr. Witcher, is pro-family, pro-business, pro-justice, and pro-freedom, running for governor of Mississippi. And I will say uh to any of my listeners in Mississippi, I wholeheartedly and 100 percent endorse Dr. John Witcher for governor of Mississippi. Um, I know his heart, he is an incredible man, he is incredibly brave. His um uh, his family is amazing um, and you, you can't go wrong with Dr. Witcher uh, at the helm, I, I certainly um, give you all of my support and I look forward to being able to and I'm not going to say if I'm going to say when you become the next governor of Mississippi. Really coming out there and supporting you in any way that I can uh, with congressional hearings and all of that, because I know that um, that's going to be something that you'll be focused on as part of your administration and, uh, and I just want you to know that I am there to support you 100%
0: yeah i appreciate that kimberly appreciate that so much brooke brooke was going to try to be with us but she you know she's a real estate agent she's popping in mm-hmm. and out but uh but she's uh sends her um love and uh and thanks and so mm-hmm. yeah i mean whether i'm governor or not and, and i very likely may be governor okay because we mm-hmm. our, our governor is very unfavorable he has been a weak governor uh people have compared him to uh to um DeSantis in florida mm-hmm. you know we're you know, Santa has stood up. Well, one thing he hired Dr. Joseph Latipo as his, his surgeon general, a very common sense yeah. doctor that's pushed back. And Tate Reeves could have done the same thing here. Our governor, and so people see him as a very weak uh, career politician. He's been been up there for eighteen years. He started when he was twenty seven. He's about forty five now. It's all he's ever done has been a politician. He was our lieutenant governor, our tr- state treasurer for eight years, then lieutenant governor, and now our governor for three plus years. So. He's seen as he see he's seen as very weak, and uh, and Mississippians want to change. They, they 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 want somebody that's going to stand strong because they really they don't know what's going to happen next year. Most of them want Donald J Trump to be president, but they realize if he's not, if the if the Democrats, if crooked Joe Biden and all those folks try to take the election from him, uh, things could get a little nasty, and so. We're gonna be we're gonna to have to really have a, a strong governor that will press back, use that tenth amendment, states rights, push back against any federal mandates that come out.
1: Well, Dr. Witcher, thank you so much for being here. We wish you all the luck in the world. And like I said, we are here for you, whatever you need.
0: All right. Appreciate you, coming. Whether I'm governor or not, we're going to have some more hearings because oh, uh, yeah. our ultimate goal is to stop the shots and investigate and have justice for these people in Mississippi and all over that's been injured, disabled and died from the COVID shots. And also that have died unnecessarily for, for not getting the right COVID treatments and getting pushed to the remdesivir and intubations, et cetera, in the hospitals.
1: Amen. Well, I look forward to working with you uh, as we continue the fight. Dr. John Witcher. And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, with a different nurse host daily. You can also catch the encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses. And this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and you can find me here every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle. We are in a war for truth, and we're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and day